We're back for season two. Yes, it's bigger. It's badder. It's... Oh, just get on with it. Bad scripts. Hello and welcome back to Bad Scripts Presents The Last Resort. And what is The Last Review? Mike, it's wonderful to see you and I can see you. Although we're hundreds of miles apart, not thousands of miles apart, it's strange to do this via video again because we've only done a couple of these sort of where you can see us and and, and know what crazy facial expressions we're pulling. Uh, Fortunately, tonight is different. We won't be doing any accents, dodgy accents or or strange and unusual things. But uh, we want to have a little review of everything that's happened in season two. Now it's come to an end. Um, Mike, how are you feeling about season two ending? Amazing. No more writing. Oh, you're happy. No, no. Do you know? No, I'm not. And I think it's a it's a bittersweet moment, actually, as, as we said in the last episode. It's amazing to not have the pressure of writing and conceptualizing the story, then trying to put it all together and then hoping it makes sense and it appeases everyone who's listening to it and it's gone in the right direction. But also, yeah, there's a little bit of loss there and a bit of mourning that that we're, you know, that I'm feeling certainly because it feels weird not having that anymore and not having that focus to go, we've got to do another episode, Steve, or we've got to move the story along. And are we happy with the way this is progressing? Because we planned it out so long ago and we stuck true to that. So I'd say bittersweet. Bittersweet. Well, no review would be complete if we didn't have some independent advice on uh, what we've written and what's been witnessed and no better people to help us than listeners and former entertainers. So, uh, Mike, would you do the honours of introducing our guests for, for this week's show? That is such an honour because um, oh, massive fans you of you guys. And thank you so much for giving us a little bit more of your time. And you've been such supporters of our project and our story that it is an an honour to have you guys here. Um, we have... Ali, who's been on the show more than anybody else, actually, who's uh, who's given us such wonderful feedback. And actually, Ali, I've got to say, change the trajectory of, of our second season based on your feedback and your thoughts and your views uh, from previous episodes and what you thought. Um, invaluable feedback, actually, to, to help broaden mine and Steve's horizon and think about different things in a slightly different way. So our wonderful friend, uh, business owner, extraordinaire, it is Ali. Hello, thanks for having me back. Um, That was such a lovely and uh, concise introduction there. Brilliant. Well done. And it only took uh, one go, didn't it, Mike? Um, No, it's great to be back. And I think you missed out um, that I'm actually, yes, I'm a listener. And I'm a friend, but I'm also a huge, huge fan of the podcast. And uh, I feel slightly bereft by the loss of it. So, um, But we'll come to that a bit more later. So thank you for having me back. Um, and I am really happy to be here. You're more than welcome. And our second guest is by no by no stretch of the imagination, incredibly successful in his world. We all started out relatively similar together in the entertainment industry and we all fell down at some point and went, you know what, we're getting normal jobs. But this gentleman, 
He carried on going and he's thriving and he's succeeding and he's becoming incredibly successful. And we're so, we're so proud. And that is Paul. Hi, Paul. You do the best introductions, guys. I have to say, I'm going to start recording these and playing them out in my shows. Just like before I go on, on, on air, I'm like, just play that out. Just play a bit of mic there. That'll be good. No, it's great to be back, guys. Really great to be back. And I like Ali. Uh, yeah, we're missing. It's like missing. I don't know. It was like the end of El Dorado or the end of Dallas. It was just. It was finished. <laughs> I want to know. I want wow. to. We're here to quiz you. We're here to find out what what's going on, and we, you know, maybe you won't tell us, or maybe that'll be left up to what people out there are thinking. But there's lots of unanswered questions, and we're really hoping it's not the end. But um, it's great to talk about this anyway. And we can gang up on them, Paul. Usually we're on our own, aren't we? But you and yeah. I can gang up on Good them. <laughs> This was a risk. This was the risk that Steve and I was going into here. We're going, let's get Paul and Ali on to talk about the show. And uh, being compared to El Dorado, that short-lived Channel 5 launch <laughs> show, uh, I'm not sure if that's a compliment or not, to be honest with you. We'll me. leave that off the poster, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I think it was only surpassed by was it was it called Brothers and Sisters? That was another Channel 5 soap. That, that Family Affairs. At the same time. Family Affairs. Yes. Of course it was Family Affairs. So I had a brief stint in, but we won't go there. We won't go oh, there. Oh, yeah. It's all right. We've we've all we've all got uh, we've all got uh, shameful uh, shameful soap um, histories to. I mean, Mike, I think you were nearly killed by uh, by Richard Hillman, weren't you? And uh, on Coronation Street, I certainly was. I dived out the way at the right time for that speeding vehicle. Yeah. No, I did not know that. I didn't know that. <laughs> Got to pay handsome stuntman's fee for that one. <laughs> <laughs> your episodes are currently on here in the UK. Your episodes are currently on. I'm going to be watching. I'm going to be watching. So, yeah. Oh, you never know. Yeah, keep an eye out for him. He's, you were standing with a young lady, I believe, which is nothing new. Is that before they go in the canal? Is that before they went yeah. the canal? Yeah, right, right before wow. it. Yeah. Wow. No awesome. way. You must send me a link. Yeah, well, if we could find it. <laughs> uh, or a sausage instead. Oh, that's a terrible joke, isn't it? Yeah. Maybe link, cut that sausage. in the edit. Yeah, okay. Yeah, cut okay. that, yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Moving on. Never mind. The dad jokes go, yeah, exactly. Um, cool. And, and we did some... We actually did some Hollyoaks as well. That was quite that was quite funny doing doing uh, doing that up at uh, Phil Redmond Studios. That was uh, that was interesting. So got to speak meet some of the the wonderful cast. I think we've talked about that before on on the show. Um, yes, but we're here yep. to talk about our show and the show that's now finished, now complete. The story is over. Hate to break it to everyone, but the, the, there will be no more. Um, but we wanted to talk about season two we can reflect on season one as well and the differences um but i wanted to ask yes. before before you do that sorry to jump in did you have the end planned like from the beginning like was that the way you wanted it to end because i was you know i'm not a writer myself and i'm always fascinated how you kind of you did bring it all together at the end in that one uh, final episode um do you want me to answer that mike yeah you go for it steve so not from the beginning of season one, because obviously that was 18 years ago, but from the beginning of season two, we have we roadmapped every key event we wanted to happen right through. That's what we did first. And then we joined the dots and we made some connections and we made sure things, before we wrote any of the dialogue, that these trajectories, that these lives would interact and all these circumstances. It was really complicated. It was looked like something from... 
um, a crime drama where they got the board and all the lines. Oh, and all the, get, the you know, with the, the string. string in that, yeah, them. nice. That's what it, in our brains, that's what we were having to do. So it made the writing that much. We were trying to be clever, and it made the writing that much more difficult because we had to then connect interconnect all these stories. We went for a massive cast in the second season um, with loads of new characters, and it was and we probably bit off more than we could chew, and it was really difficult. Um, but yeah. To answer your question, Paul, we knew what we were going to do. So we we always knew from the from the very beginning that Adam and Dan would leave. So that was always preordained um, from the very from the get go. We always knew that Kelly was going to have a downfall because we needed to establish um, a, a villain of sorts. You know, in, in, in a weird way, a fun a fun person, and we really want we we just miss Kelly as a. As, as a character from the first series, because she was she's so interesting, she's so edgy, she's so bitey, she doesn't apologize for everything. She's fun to be to, to play, um, and and fun to play around with when within the story itself. And then we when we established the character of Bernie, Steve and I decided to change up the axe, so to speak. So we had him in as our central point. The midpoint of the story was all about Bernie because we wanted to expand the story and make it much bigger. And then in the last act, which was the last kind of six episodes, we wanted to f- focus solely on the characters themselves and go right, right down. So everything that we did was building up Wayne, building up Kelly, building up Adam, Dan. Um, we wanted Adam to go on an arc, um, and we really wanted the audience to hate him because um, we, we we decided that at the very beginning. Adam is just from, that, from the Christmas episodes when Sam – and and him have have relations and stuff, and then he gets paranoid, throws his phone into the sea. That was the start of the next story. So we built the story up, and we knew exactly where we wanted to go with that. But we had to have a redeeming element to Adam. So Sam was always coming back because it was the only way that could redeem him uh, without it being too trite. So as Steve said, we had this roadmap that we had to just fill in the blanks and try and get the characters across from there, but we had to make some of them really unlikable in order to drive the story across. And isn't Adam the one that you said is a bit autobiographical that you'd sort of based <laughs> on yourself? Is there a in, bit of self-loathing going on there, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely. In season one, no, actually because when we yeah. when we wrote season one, I did write Adam as a as someone I would want to portray and play. But then when we recorded season one, I said to Steve, I, I, I really don't, this character is so one dimensional and he's not, there's not really anything going there, but there's something about him that we could encapsulate on. And there was a few elements in season one where there was moments of anger and moments of, of dysfunction. And we said, well, why don't we just pull on that a little bit more and see what happens? And that that kind of opened up the story. And that's where the Halloween special came from and the Christmas special. And then when we realised, oh, do you know, we could really play around with Sam and Adam's relationship, that it's not all fairy tale. And the the ex comes back in, because he was mentioned briefly in season one as a, almost like a kind of side, you know, they, they just had a side conversation. So let's pull on that one and see. And it just drove the next season. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and, and like we, we discussed previously, I think, like you said, Mike, you wanted to play that character. It didn't mean it necessarily reflected you. I think it reflected the choices you wanted to make initially. You, you know, we tried to make him quite chivalrous and selfless. But then as as it went on, he got 
darker elements and there was a side to him that we didn't really like and that and then that was accentuated like we say through that through that misunderstanding of what um robin had said to him about go out there live a bit forget about her and just and he took it to the next extreme um that made it a much more interesting character to be much more multi-dimensional and, and you felt like you could get your teeth into him and he was he was flawed and it was amazing the messages we got from people the visceral towards Adam. Oh, Adam is just a dickhead. And, blah, 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 and you hit, you literally. And we were like, yeah, yeah, that's what we wanted. <laughs> Behavior. Yeah, exactly. Because, and me and Mike have this conversation regularly. People message us or call us and go, so-and-so's done this. I can't believe it. And we're going, no, nobody's done anything. They're just words we wrote on a piece of paper. It's not a real person, but people get so invested in it. No, which but we've discussed It kind of warms your heart, you know? There's an alternate reality that you've created by creating these characters that now exists, even if it's only in people's mind, it exists there. You know, they're, they're as real to me as if you were telling me about someone you worked with. You know, I've never met them. <laughs> I've, I don't know their circumstances, but they, they are real to me. And it has to be a good story as well, because... Obviously, your two guys doing an array of voices. Very, I mean, round of applause for the voices. <laughs> um, and that's the thing. But you have to believe in those voices. You have to, you have to go on that journey. If, if it's like, oh, hello, you know, doing like silly voices, then you, you don't invest in the character. But you really did, and the stories kind of pulled you along with the adventure as well. Especially when you're talking about Adam. He was, yeah. I mean, I liked Adam. I did. But then, yeah, he he was horrible though. But then. There's, but we all know blokes like Adam, so you know it's not he isn't anything new. But you had to see it from the side that he was, you know, he was he wasn't being honourable, was he? But we all know blokes like Adam, and, and and you know, I may have friends like Adam as well. You know that you know they do what they do, and that's their world. But it isn't the way you would live your life by your values. But so do you know what I mean? It wasn't a case that we hated Adam. I, for me, it was like. I, I can I, I recognize this character and it was good to see the other side of him you know you didn't just make him this uh, you know um you know showman the whole time you know we we wanted adam to be a victim so we wanted him to accept that victim status and he has broken up with someone who he fell really hard for and couldn't get over it and that gave him and his morals and ethics and values and excuse to do what he did. And that's why he did what he did. He just stopped caring about what anyone else thought because he felt that he'd been burned, which was the irony being it was a complete, um, it was all in his own head. He, like He's the one that, that he basically destroyed his own relationship with what he did. And, and we always knew that, uh, uh, that Dan was going to reveal those truths to him because Dan's the only one he really trusts. So Robin, it, Robin's the vehicle to say, to, to shine the light in front of him and go, look, this is how you've been and this is why no one really likes you anymore. And then when he turns to Dan in that street scene that we wrote and Dan's like, well, actually, mate, what, what Dan says to him is a series of truths and that just like that, that for Adam is, is the turning point. It's the, I've got, and it also meant, because we had to have a strong enough reason for these chaps to leave. We couldn't just say they're going to go off now because they've found something better. Adam's Adam can't stay there. He just can't because his reputation is too soiled. He, you know, 
He's the perception that people have about him, what he did with Tatiana. He, he broke um, Judy's trust when, when he did all of that. He didn't care. He then gets the life scared out of him. All that type of stuff. There was everything that Steve and I talked about at the very beginning, when, especially when we're, we're bringing them back to say, well, why are they really there? Because <laughs> we had to justify the amount of characters we had. Um, and that that's where that, that kind of act came from, was we have to give him a redemptive arc, but we have to not destroy him enough that the audience wouldn't want to follow him into something else. Mm. And the whole Dan situation, we didn't want a breakup. We didn't want to write that. I'm so glad, we left it. We left it. Like no, I'm that. really glad that you did that because when I'm watching um, any sitcoms or anything like that, it's when there's a good couple, you think, oh, how long is it going to be until they break up? You know, it's like that's the only thing that can happen to create a bit of tension in the storyline that a couple breaks up, you know. So seeing a different approach, that's it, it's not lazy, is it? Mm. You know, it's you've actually thought about it. So well done. We, 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 <laughs> thank you. We did, it was, it, and we did labor over this a lot. Will we break them up in on screen? What we decided was. It's, it's a little bit ambiguous at the ending. We know what's happened. Me and Mike know what's happened with them because there is the possibility of a spin-off exclusive. Oh, the, the, I knew it, yeah. Ali. I knew it. I knew we were brought <laughs> here for the big announcement. I knew it. <laughs> that would involve the two of them going off and working um, abroad. Um and, you know, then you can introduce new characters. You can have old characters popping over and seeing them or, you know, appearing, which is something that happened to me when I worked abroad. I saw people I'd worked with that turned up, you know, and I realised I just said the word, but that's fine. Um, <laughs> hey, what about... All these years, two years, and I never said it, and then I've just done it. Um, have you got a beat this year we can put out? Yeah. You can always do um, Camp yeah. Coats 2022 or something, the reunion. <laughs> yeah <laughs> I think we did that in February didn't we yeah let's not um, talk about that <laughs> <laughs> no but um, uh, the point about Dan and, and Donna was you know we wanted them to it not to be a traditional breakup we didn't want it to be they fell out and they didn't want to be together mm. we wanted to be a bit more we wanted to show the reality of a situation that sometimes you get into a relationship with somebody in an environment like that and it's for the long term, it's not necessarily sustainable. You've got different dreams and different things, and you're really young. And actually, if you stay together, you can end up squashing those dreams, both and you create resentment. Mm. And I think that was the toss-up we had was, do we, do we make them stay together? Do we make Dan not go off and do these things? Because he loves Donna, don't get me wrong. He loves her with all his heart, but he has other things he wants to do too. It's Donna's... Sorry. In that place. It's such a shame because, you know, sort of talking about the reality of working in that kind of place, it has an expiration date. You know, there's only very few people that do have um, the the opportunities to stay. I mean, I say opportunities. Is it an opportunity to stay there? I don't know. But, you know, going into management or being a choreographer or whatever. But for most people, it's two years three years maybe four years and if you're making relationships in that there comes a point where you say well what's next I mean I know myself I was in a relationship there we went off and did separate things and kept coming back together and going apart and coming back together and there was a point where we had to go we need to like find something we can do together or we need to not do this anymore you know and that 
it always mm -hmm. has a bit of an expiration date, doesn't it? So it's also a bit of a bubble. I mean, we, we've talked about the bubble before. It's like you know, you're you're there and you're in this little safety bubble, and all your friends are there, and it's that whole experience and what an experience. But then when you leave. You're not prepared for that. Nobody ever prepares you for like coming back. And I mean, I, I think I mentioned it last time. You're in shopping centers talking to children. And you think I really should be doing this? Yeah, hi everybody. <laughs> you know? But uh, yeah, so you're just you're just not prepared for any of that, especially. And you know, you're talking about relationships, but also in in careers. You know, it was a real kind of wow. You know, you're not. People, people aren't stopping you for your autograph in real life, unfortunately. But when you were there, you know, you were forever signing your photos or, you know, kids were giving you letters and stuff like that. And it was, that was incredible. And, you know, something I'll never, ever forget and probably never have again. But like I say, nobody prepares you for that when you leave. Nobody. I think you maybe really. take it for granted a little bit while we're there as well. You know, yeah, like totally, you, yeah. you think that there's always something better around the corner. But I know going on and doing lots of Ents jobs afterwards that nothing compared <laughs> not that sustained because with most ENTS jobs there's a there's a you, you're a brief period doing this or you're a brief period doing that there's few exceptions but that was sustained you know you were there for a good portion of time and there was no let up six days seven days a week depending on what you were doing mm. so it was just all the time wasn't it and that energy was there you didn't have the highs and lows of oh did I get this job or didn't I and have I got to audition again for the it, it really like you say there there was that sustained period where you let's let's uh, let's address something else as well and and this was this was largely inspired by you ali actually um with your diary and your your views and thoughts and so we had we we created characters specifically to to showcase the competition and how competitive it was so yes getting a job is one thing and all of us have experienced this Getting the job is one thing, but then shining above everybody else to, to, to vie for a better position, a better part, to get into cast, to do whatever it is you want to do becomes that stressful, competitive edge where everyone around you is, is also your competition as well. And yet we were all supportive and stuff, and we're all at different stages. Were we? Um, were we all supportive? I was just going to say, were we? Yeah. <laughs> some of us, some of us. Um, but, you know, we, we didn't, we didn't have the time to, to go into it deep enough, but we tried to portray it through through some of those characters. So even the character called Ali, who who subsequently becomes head girl, you know, with the whole Bernie situation, that the whole motivation behind that was was writing out that competition with what happens with Robin and and Bernie just doesn't take him seriously, and you know, and and that bringing self doubt into it. That was quite. That was quite a common daily occurrence. And when we, when you said, actually, when we're there, you don't realize what you've got. We also forget how difficult and competitive it was because it's like every day is an audition. Every day is about showcasing yourself in the best possible yeah, way. Yeah, it's like a balance between being really full of yourself and thinking you're brilliant and having complete imposter syndrome and thinking you're not good enough. And, you know, it was like <laughs> just constantly going from one to the other and... Yeah, it was. Um, you got that across as well. Thank you. Now I've got a question for you guys. Then so let's let's go. I will, I'm going to ask you two questions um, each, and uh, the same question. So you, one of you will have time to think about it a little <laughs> bit more than the other. But um, <laughs> so I would. I want to know one your favourite character from season two, and two your favourite moment. 
from season two. Uh, so we will start off. Um, Paul knows, so I'm going to. I'm there. Paul I'm there. And, I and, and, and despised Dan. Kelly, uh, but it, because the all oh, it was it was it was tuning in to find out when Kelly's going to get a comeuppance and is she going to get a comeuppance? And you wrote the best comeuppance, I have to say, of like having a screaming, you know, um, as she's pulled from the. It, yeah, it's it's soap opera brilliance i love that it was like she could have just been found you know these days when you watch soap operas they tend to not give that big impact of a, of a baddie because they it's an ongoing thing do you know what i mean they don't they want to be able to maybe return to that character or bring that character back in or whatever but what you did was kind of like made sure that everybody knew what was going on and 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 it was and for listeners i don't know if Ali felt the same i was just like yes brilliant. Yeah, yeah. so good yeah. that, this vile, what she was doing was so... And when they couldn't get into the computer, I was like, oh, my God, they've got to get into this computer. You know, how can they, you know... And then it was like, oh, we've just happened to have found the code. Brilliant. Like, love that. And, uh, <laughs> Do you know what the hardest part of all that is? The hardest part of all that is remembering how computers worked at the turn of the millennium. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you didn't call them a PC. You didn't call it this and that. It was a computer because we didn't use the term PC. It wasn't as we weren't as au fait with them. So people wouldn't naturally have gone to that. So it was, it, we had to, so many times we had to stop ourselves and go back and go, actually, we need to remember how naive we were to technology at that level there wasn't many computers in the office there was a couple probably not on every desk and it wasn't laptops it was the big old cream big massive things yeah yeah, yeah yeah so um so that side of it was like we had to make sure we wrote it so that it had that realistic element of that turn of the millennium and uh, yeah not just a case of well it's on her phone or on a fingerprint thing you know so here, here's some so here's some insight into all of that steve and i knew that she had to have a downfall, but we didn't quite know what it would be. Yeah. And it was only when we started writing it and we, we were, we were there writing away and, and Mark, you know, the Mark's there and stuff and they're talking away. And then we just suddenly said, what if she burns the papers and sets the desk on fire and causes the fire sprinklers to go off, which causes everyone to get out of the building. And then, and then the police arrive because she tries to attack them. And, and uh, sorry, the security arrived, then the police arrived, and she gets taken out that way. And we, uh, at the moment we said it, it was like that, it was that quick. We went, that's it. That's how we're going to do it. Everybody's outside and everybody's watching. Yeah. Everyone's yeah. there. Because but there was a character, and forget, you know, our names, it's just gone for a second, but I, I, he fell on his sword, basically. He had to leave in order for for her to get a comeuppance, you know what I mean? Oh, Otherwise, Wayne, it would have all come Wayne. out. Wayne had to leave. I yeah, said he the had other to go. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. A lot of people nearly say the other name because it's very similar to the real person. Mm. But no, I, and and yeah, and we, that was the other. Side and that was good. So, that was really clever. I loved that. So we'll, we'll talk about him in a minute because I, I realised okay, we only we'll asked you the first part of your question. So we'll we'll talk on. We'll ask you your favourite scene throughout all of that. Have I pinched yours, Ali? Or is that all right? Uh, what what what? Well, have I pinched your favourite scene. Oh, which was yours? To be fair, yeah, I, I think. That scene, when you started talking, because I was like, oh, what am I going to say? And as soon as you said it, I had like a flashback in my mind and I could remember exactly where I was when I listened to it. And I think that is the, the sign of like a good scene because I was picking somebody up from the hospital and I was parked on the second floor and I was walking down the steps and I can remember like hearing, it was almost like 
I was there, but I'm sort of picturing the hospital because it was it's so cemented <laughs> in my mind. So it it was such a brilliant scene, and it yeah, it really stood out for me. So I could be being lazy, Paul, and just letting you yeah what he said, but no, it was <laughs> <laughs> no, it was um, a definite moment in time, and I did like audibly get in, you know. <laughs> yeah, me too. I think I, I think I, I think I punched the air. Generally, was like yes. And I don't you know, know about that. you, Paul, but I, I mean, that's where I was physically in my real life when I was listening. But when I was picturing it happening, I was picturing that front, you know, that office where the management were, and you know, the the actual place. Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were as well when we wrote it. Catching fire because there was always papers on the desk. Yeah. Nobody knew what the papers were about. <laughs> I'm not even sure if they were just, I think they were just props, basically, yeah. For, yeah. For, for the park. Look busy, look busy. Yeah, That's just fine. to make it look like a busy office. <laughs> because, yeah, they never moved. They always seem to be in the same position. And, uh, yeah, and so there would be lots of paper around for, for it all to go up and smoke. Yeah, crazy. Um, I think with, with Kelly, because she'd been so outspoken and bolshy, we we could have just got rid of her, but I I think she needed the big show of embarrassment. She needed to be put in a place, you know. Bernie went in the quiet. He went quietly. He scuttled off in the night. He didn't re. He kind of got his comeuppance with Glenn, but uh, you know he got scared to the point of wetting himself. But nobody saw that. Well, Only Glenn and him knew about that. The thing with Bernie, he just had a massive ego. And he was just behaving that way. It didn't matter about individuals. That's just how Bernie was. And, you know, he was a bit of a dick. But Kelly, she was sly and manipulative and she was doing everything behind people's backs and secretly. So to have everybody see that, that was just like... You know that light bulb moment for everybody, I think. I think she thought she was untouchable as well because, you know, with Bernie, I I think he knew that he was on borrowed time. He was like, yeah, he was. He knew he could get away with but he knew he was on borrowed time. He knew that show was, you know, rocky and everything. But with with actual, you know, her, she was borrowed. T- yeah, she yeah, she she knew. She, she didn't think she'd ever get caught. And that's the genius of, of getting a, a baddie, isn't it? It's like, and doing it the right way. And again, I think if you'd had like Bernie, you'd had a big comeuppance and then she'd have had a big comeuppance. I don't think it would have had the impact no. as we would have had with Kelly. We had to balance Kelly quite well because we couldn't over we couldn't overreg it to the point where it becomes obvious that because the management sees what she's doing, she's going to get fired. I mean, that's going to happen. So we had to be so subtle with her. But I think when Steve and I first spoke about all of it, I keep talking on your behalf, Steve. But when we when we first <laughs> decided what we were going to do with Kelly, and we said, you know, she's going to be making files on people and storing them on a work computer, and not realize that she's incriminated herself yeah, because she's so fair. honest with what she's writing. I mean, what she's writing is fine. And, you know, the, the, just to address the whole Wayne leaving thing, that the, there was an argument, and Steve and I d- discussed this at length, say, well, there is there is also a view that Wayne has kind of come on to her on one. You know, he has demonstrated sexual harassment. He's done all of that stuff. He has to pay for that. And whether we like him or not, because we change, we slowly evolve his character over time. I don't know if you noticed that he stopped eating. Every scene he was ever in, he was always eating. And then we suddenly, we transitioned him out of that. And we started to give him more of a conscience, more of a view. And the, that bit with where he saves Judy's show and he does his thing, that was the turning point for Wayne where he says, actually, I want to change. Mm. But a lot of damage had already been done and we had to address that. So he had to fall on yeah. the sword, unfortunately. And 
that was the right thing to do. And wait, uh, sorry, Mark says that to him to say, if you stay, you're going to have to go through all of this. You're going to have to, HR is going to get involved. Everything's going to get involved. And we didn't want to get bogged down in that. No, no, we couldn't. Well, we that's not great drama involved. either. HR getting involved is not good drama, is it? That, that, if that had been the comeuppance, we'd have all been a bit like, oh, <laughs> no. We've had this discussion because my, in, Mike's, in Mike's current life, because he's, he, he's managed people, he, he, we did start to get scenes of HR coming <laughs> in. HR coming in and swinging like, the table. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, no. We're really bad here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is, the, this is a formal warning. It's written, but it will only stay on your... It's like, no, no, no. We need to have fun with this. We can take a bit of license. It's, it doesn't have to be as, as uh, you know, realistic as that. Um, Wayne, Wayne found his mojo again. And I think it's similar to a lot of people that get put in the position that Wayne was put in. They were a performer. So all they knew, they got told, we're going to promote you. So he gets promoted, thinks, great, I'm moving up. But actually, it was the performing that he loved. And the resentment he he felt, even if he didn't identify that, was why he was rude to everybody, was why he was condescending, because he still wanted to be out there doing it. He still wants to be in front of the crowd. And I think that relates to the person it's based on as well. I was just going to say, I think I might know who this is based on, but let's not go there. <laughs> Begins with so, a W. <gasps> yeah, Wayne. Wayne. Yeah. Wayne. <laughs> so, so, and, and our point was there that, Maybe he wasn't such a bad guy. He was just in a situation, and he he didn't he behaved terribly, and he was he was disgusting at times, you know, with the nuts and with the things he did with Kelly's underwear Why? and all of that I stuff. Was completely gross, right? That was the worst but, bit in the whole thing. <laughs> which one, the nuts or the underwear? The nuts. Oh, does that say something about me? <laughs> yeah, the nuts. Ugh. <laughs> but that's it. We had to have that, you know, that thing that nobody's all good and all bad. People have this. Some people have these tendencies and these behaviours. It doesn't necessarily make them a bad person. It doesn't mean they can't do good things. No, I liked him. But we needed him to, in the second, you know, to move on season. and do that. Yeah, I, I really liked him. And I think him. we started to feel a bit for him because he, he genuinely cared about Kelly. He did want a relationship with her. And, and he didn't always articulate well his affection because it was always physical, his attempts at uh, understanding that relationship. But actually, he had deep feelings for her. And so it broke his heart when he found out what he did and then uh, to do what he had to do as well and know that it was his career too that was on the line. Um, you know, but... You know, there's opportunities. He's not gone from the world. He still exists. You never know. We might see him again. Maybe he will. Maybe he'll take himself abroad. You never know. Or go onto a TV. Won't show. say any more than that. Yeah. Children. Maybe do TV. some kids TV. <laughs> wacky warehouse. <laughs> <laughs> the wacky warehouse. I can see him on that. <laughs> yeah. So, Ali, did you give us your favourite character? Were you were you agreeing, or did you have a different character that was was a favourite? Um. I like different people at different times. It's like saying, what's my favourite song? It, it changes depending mm. on my mood or, you know, what I'm doing. And it's a bit like that with the characters. I mean, Kelly, like you say, I mean, if you were playing a part in a panto or a show or a play or anything, you want to be the bad guy because it's interesting. You know, you don't want to be Cinderella. How boring is that? You know, you want to be the wicked queen. So, and it's a bit like that with Kelly. So, although I wouldn't want to be friends with her, I wouldn't want to work with her. Um, you know, I enjoyed listening to her. Um, Judy, 
you know, she, I wasn't keen on her at the beginning because she reminded me of someone, but then she developed into her <laughs> own character and I preferred her. <laughs> we, we had to expand her, you know, and, and not base her solely on one person. Yeah. That was the, the secret there. So I, I think. think as, you know, as the season went, the season, <laughs> like talking like we <laughs> weren't there, um, you know, as as the, the shows went on and everything, the characters did evolve. So Wayne did really grow on me. But, you know, I just love... Karen, chocolate biscuits, biscuit lady. Yes. Yeah, I just Karen's yeah. all over the list. I have to be careful Karen's of the names. Karen's, Karen's the one she's got. Oh, got still that, that. Song, yes, that brilliant. Just it's a bit like that, yes. She was lovely, yeah, yeah she was. We've about it before, but I just loved that episode that you did where it just followed her and a day in the life of. I really enjoyed that. And I think, you know, if you did do specials, following a character around for a day would be something really interesting because you know there doesn't have to be loads of drama it's just hearing what they get up to and what a day looks like for them you know just things like not being able to go out in your uniform having to go up the back way and go into the you know the dressing room and go out the magic door and be inspected and all that stuff that's the stuff Mm. that people who haven't worked there, they don't know that that stuff exists. So, you know, I think I, I think there's a bit of leg, leg, yeah, bit a bit of room for you to do something. Wiggle room, yeah, wiggle room, yeah, yeah that's just right. Like maybe maybe <laughs> four, four or six specials. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to get more out of us, Mike. Um, I think the, the the thing with with Karen was we needed to show her worth because we'd seen her make mistakes. We'd seen her do things, but why was she still there then? What was it that kept Karen there? And it was the fact the that she held the plumbing place together. Well, yeah, I mean, she gave everybody biscuits, but actually she was the glue of the place. Mm. She's what kept it flowing. And, you know, all the people. And so it, we're, sorry, is she, so is she based on somebody that we may have known or worked with yeah. then? Yeah, because I yeah. think I know who that might be. Because there was a somebody, and again, I won't mention any names because we wouldn't do that. But there was somebody that I remember that always seemed to be in the the office with the fake papers everywhere, yeah. and they always yeah. seemed to be kind of keeping everything together. So it's probably that person. The the biscuits thing was just something we created. Um, that that's <laughs> it's just, just the kookiness. Yeah, that that's not related to anyone. <laughs> uh, it was just a kookiness idea that we had where Karen just compares, but you can always tell a lot by the biscuit they eat kind of thing. Um, <laughs> and actually, of of all of every episode we've made, that one is my favourite. Oh wow! The one the following Karen around because it gives a real sense of what the resort was like, of all the different things, and the fact that she just goes out to go to the toilet and then finds herself dealing with so many different things, and we it takes her on a journey that takes a, a lot of the characters just day to day. There's nothing dramatic about it. It's not, I mean, hopefully it was quite funny, but it's the way she dealt with it all, with lost children and this, that, and the other. And it made, what what that did, it was a device for us to move the story along because we got to then showcase. So we couldn't have Donna working in the, the crash for no reason. We had to have a vehicle to get there so you could see Donna working in that environment. And when Stephen and I were talking about it, so, you know, we got to do a, an episode on Carol. Let's just step away from because it, it was right in the middle of the Bernie stuff mm. and it was all very full on and the, the, the management are falling out and, ev- you know, everyone's falling out everywhere. It was that moment of levity and it was so, it was such a breath of fresh air to write. When Steve and I was writing it, we were laughing our heads off and going, oh, you know, what if she does this next? And then what if she does that? But we tried to base it in logic and then just remembering, okay, what would be that journey? And we had this 
resort mapped in our head to where she would get to. And the fact that you brought that up, Ali, is amazing because it's my favourite episode of every single one we've done. <laughs> also, my favourite thing was, and it, it just made me so laugh so much, was that, that thing that somebody had come up sleeping with the stars, which was just so wrong on so many levels. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that was genius, but brilliant, because obviously you weren't sleeping with the stars, but that's what was happening. They were sort of staying in your accommodation, which is something that, let's face it, would never happen now and never could ever happen. But I just love that somebody would come up with the idea of sleeping with the stars. That made me laugh. And the, and the little throwaway line about, oh, it's all you can rustle up is a couple of boy, uh, boy and girl wizards in some little film, which obviously became the biggest film, you know, ever. And they could have had them there. And I was like, oh, the, in my head, I was like, why did they get the boy wizards? And realising I, I, I kind of went for that. That was brilliant. I like <laughs> Oh, we had to toe the line so much with that one because when we were talking about cele- like this is Steve and I debated this to the nth degree about what celebrities we talk about, and yeah. we never really go into much detail about them on purpose. But we were like, okay, well, who can we get away with saying? And you can't now get away with saying hardly anybody. So we had to really no, be careful. Not from that, that period, you can't know <laughs> exactly. Yeah. We, but we debated this hard because you really wanted to go for Hollywood stars. And I was like, no, yeah. that won't be funny. That won't be funny. It's got to be that BC list celebrities that, that e- they can F. get. E. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm trying to be nice to them. Let's think about the people that were there. You know, uh, we wanted to make sure it was just naff enough that it wasn't, you know, that, that some people, some punters would be excited about it. But the audience listening are going, it's a bit naff flow, really, isn't it? A bit naff. Do I want to share a do I want to share an apartment with this celebrity? The, this day and age. Wolf from Gladiator. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I would. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I think th- there's a few other things we probably need to talk about then. I guess we've we've talked about favourite characters and things. So the whole um the whole Bernie thing then bernie as a character did that did you did did he evoke any memories for for people of um you know real life real life people from from the world of entertainment or was it still real life people i mean i think i think we talked about it when i was on maybe it was when we weren't recording i don't know but we sort of said (laughs) that there was there was a definite you know we've all worked with somebody like bernie i think who's like, you know, had his day in the West End or whatever and is now working on some show or something and they think that they've got all these amazing ideas. And it was just, yeah, you you didn't hate him, but you kind of, you, you didn't like him, but I think you didn't hate him as much as some of the other characters, but you kind of knew where it was going, but it, it was good. No, it, was a good it, was, it was good that the way it went. I think you, you had a good story arc for him as well. So I would really love to see, that. there's so much of this that I would love to see. You know, I'd love to see it on a TV show or a film or a special or something like that because Bernie's just, like, such a colourful character that, you know, you just love to see a real person playing that role and, you know, the scarf over the shoulder and that kind of thing. <laughs> but, yeah, definitely, definitely have memories of people like that. And like you say, Paul, you know, sort of having been involved in pantomimes and things of recent years, you, you sort of get quite a few people like that involved <laughs> it was probably me actually i was probably the bernie <laughs> i used to be a dancer <laughs> don't you know oh, I said it. Sorry. Um, <laughs> we're only allowed a certain number of the show i don't know how that's, many we're allowed but we've, it's, <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. it's like if it's, a, if it's a 12 hey 
Yeah, you get one. Rec- I'm, I'm currently involved in a, a bit of a talent show myself at the moment, and I, we had a meeting the other night, and it was I had like a birdie situation where I was like, "Oh well, we usually have the sound desk behind." Uh, you know, I've done quite a few of these shows, and this lady said, um, "I have done all of. That. I have been working in this. In, you know, did the whole Bernie <laughs> thing." Yeah. And I went, "Okay, pull it back now. This is this is a bur- she's a Bernie. I need to kind of just, you know, try and work her a bit better." And by the end, yeah. I'd, I'd befriended her, but I, I knew how to play her because of maybe I, I sort of re- related her to Bernie a little bit. <laughs> So actually, listen. <laughs> this has helped you in your profession. Yes. Oh, yeah. This is, yeah. It's, been... <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's well, but there, it is identifying things of going. I've got to work with you, and if I make, if I stand up for what I believe in all the time, it's going to make it ten times as hard. Actually, I need to win you over and co- coerce you into doing what I want to do, rather than just fighting you. And uh, I think that's a, a, le- a lesson in life for everyone, really. That there are people like that that you're going to have to manipulate in a different way. Um, the when I had an audition, yeah. and I, I, I don't know if I told you the story. It was like. Where where the guy, the Bernie, basically just said, "Tell him, tell him to uh, tell him to stand on the X." So I was like, "Stand on the X." Tell him to uh, literally not talking to me, but talking to me through somebody else, and it was winding me up so much. And I was just like, I wanted to say, "Why don't you tell me yourself?" You know, but you kind of hit. That was his power. You know, that was his Bernie, and that was very You've much got a Bernie. Let him have Bernie. It, haven't you? Because it's because it's all yeah. they have. Yeah, <laughs> and really, glad I didn't get that the part. You, we won't go the, there. Really glad you've resonated with that character because we had to evolve the management. Because if you remember first series, we never really go into much about the management. They're just there. It's mostly around the camp coats and what they're doing and their exploits. So we had to bring them to life and we used Bernie as a way to disrupt. And, oh, hard to write, incredibly hard to write, in fact, because we brought Bernie and Glenn in at the same time, this the, you know, the owner with with a million questions that even we had with each other going, who is he? Where's he come from? Yeah. Why has he got this money? Why has he bought it? What the hell is he doing there? Right through to, and why is he so dangerous? Right through there to Bernie. definitely money laundering going on there with, uh, <laughs> with him. And I don't think he'd ever worked in entertainment in his life. He just, Can't yeah. Can't just but- a front. Yeah, definitely. The whole thing was a front. Maybe where we maybe where we worked there it was a front. Who knows? We don't know these things. There was absolutely nothing of any kind of illegal value going on at this point. Just like that is so okay. weird to see you do so. that because I've, I've said this before. <laughs> I don't see either of you when you do the voice. When I'm listening, it's not you two. It's the characters. <laughs> and I can't tell who's who. So that was very strange for me just then. And touching on that, there was a time, I think, where I couldn't tell who was doing it. And I was thinking, I'm sure, like, Steve, you normally do their voices. And then you've done a whole scene where you're literally talking to yourself. Like all different people or something. Yeah. And, all yours. and you and you do the in and the out of the scene as well. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the idiocy of it is that in season one, we didn't know we were writing it to perform like this. So we could get away with it. We were that foolish when we wrote season two. We didn't think about whether one of us was going to be reading it. We, we, we were so focused on the story and the characters. We didn't think about the fact that there'll be days when nearly the whole episode is me or is Mike. Do you know what, you though? Because we ended up voicing it. people in the relationship. But that is part of its charm. And, you know, the fact that you're doing it in one, mostly one take and uh, stumbling over things occasionally, that's part of the joy of the whole thing. You know, if it was really... Oh, listen, that, that Kelly scene, it was Kelly, Mark and Judy all in the same scene. <laughs> and I was like, bouncing yeah. between all three of them. I remember Steve at the very end of it, like you, you don't hear it in the in the edit, but at the very end he just looked at me and went, 
well done, mate. And I was like, I need to lie down after that. And he went, well done. Because that was, that was all one take. It was just like literally yeah. bouncing between the two. And Steve's the same when, when he's playing characters that are playing off each other. And I'm just watching him, like giggling away. And there was, I think there was um, a scene you did that I got so involved watching you do it that I forgot we were in the scene. I was just listening to you. And then yeah, seeing you missed the your words. Line. Yeah, I seen that. <laughs> and then you were looking at me and like that. And I'm like, am I meant to say something? <laughs> oh, oh, it's me. <laughs> just well, can we ask you then, who who was your favourite character to voice and play? Go on, Mike, you go first. Mikey. Oh, oh, I'm torn between two. There's there's two I'm torn. I know who Steve's going to be, but I, I'm torn between two. Um, Kelly was so much fun once I'd established her Neolithic Scottish accent, which is all regions of Scotland, <laughs> all regions. And Judy, Judy was 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 fun to play because I got to do her smokiness and just talk about you know. And I just I, I don't know. It was like it's it smart, just felt it just felt comfortable. Whereas Kelly, she's like really aggressive, you know, and she can just get right into it. Like so, I, I, those two were the most fun to play. The most. I suppose the, the one, Adam wasn't, Ad, Adam was me and my own voice. So I didn't feel like it was much of a stretch, but I got, I got a lot of dramatic scenes towards the end yeah, with yeah. Adam where I had to really have a go and scream and shout. Shouty and I was like at the other end of the room shouting in. So it wasn't like distorting the microphone and stuff. And, you know, and I got to, um, I got to unleash a lot of my own personal tur- turmoil through Adam. So I think that those, <laughs> those three there. Cool. What about you, Steve? Oh, now I, I have three too, which is three. You know, I think three of them. Yeah. So uh, Margaret, first of all, I did enjoy doing Margaret because I like a bit of West Country. I like a bit of that, a bit of bumpkin. And we can go and say we'll do that and do this and do the other and whatever. And I, so I enjoyed that because I enjoyed the accent because it's fun and it's exciting. And the, the fact that you drive around and ram into people's shins with your mobility scooter. Um uh, Glenn, because I liked the fact that nobody, nobody knew anything about him and he could be a little bit sinister and really bossy. So I enjoyed that again because it was quite a strong accent. So it was easy to get into the character. A subtle, a more subtle character, when you flip in between Robin, say, and, and maybe Dan a little bit, it's hard because the, the accent's not as polarised. But I, I think it'd have to be Karen because everybody smiles when I've done Karen. So that was always fun because... She just, she was just a silly thing to do, and you could barely understand what she said. But give us a bit of Karen, come on, give us a bit of Karen. Okay, yeah. Um, I get you that burger. They said we run out of onions. I run out of onions. So yeah, that was it. We were a, we were a, we were at one point looking at making some t-shirts with the quote, yeah. "We run out of onions." <laughs> Love it. Um, just to have it. On. She was going to do that. Yeah. Yeah, she was getting Wayne a burger, wasn't she? Is that what was happening? I can't, I can't remember. That, that was so, right, yeah. Yeah, so it was, it was, so I think for, they were all for different reasons fun because they were so, um, they were a little bit pantomime, they were a bit louder, a little bit more uh, exciting. The comic relief. Um, but we still got to do some dramatic scenes as well, so that was always nice. The hardest bit was, as you've witnessed today, us doing those voices was when, like, Dan and Kelly had their sex scene in season oh, one. Oh, gosh, and yeah. Me and Mike are having to look down the camera at each other and say all this stuff and keep a straight face 
so that we weren't laughing our way through the thing. And that's why there was so much laughter in there, because, you know, as I'm saying stuff about seductively um, running my hand across his um, hot, tender abs or whatever it was, <laughs> said, and we were making eye contact. And we were just, you know, we were just giggling like little school kids. So that that element was also fun too, but but more so, like I say, with the accents to to really get into the loud character. So I have a question as well, and it's mostly about the the story as a whole. Um, given that you've you've listened to every single episode that we've we've released, and you'll have your views. How did you feel about the story itself and the way it concluded? Did you feel appeased or did you not? Did you feel that we missed some stuff? So I know, Paul, at the beginning, you said, this, you know, we, we'd like to get into this and the gaps and stuff. I'd like, like, where did we get it wrong? Where did we get it right? And how did you feel it all? Did it conclude in the right way? Can I go first? Go for it. Thanks. Um, hand up. Yeah, for me, I feel like I need to listen to the whole thing in its entirety, back to back, in quick succession. Because, like, the first season, I listened to it close together because it had already been recorded. But then the second season, as and when it came out, so by the time it got to the end, I don't know, I felt, like, slightly shell-shocked by the whole thing. Like, I couldn't quite believe it was over and take it all in. And I've had to listen to it again to kind of really have it sink in that it's finished. So the second part felt disjointed to me, but I don't think it was the story. I think it was the fact that I was listening to it in stages. So I think, you know, to give you an absolute honest question, answer, I would need to listen to it all again and then do another one. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, there's nothing that's jumping out at me now, which is why I'm going first, because I thought, Paul, I know you've probably got some... No, I, I, mean, I totally agree. It's like I don't, I don't think it's it's not fair to say you didn't get it right because there's so many different ways you could have gone. But um, I think the way you went was a way to go. You know, the, the, you could have cut to Kelly at the end, you know, stroking a cat and saying, "I'll get you know, I'll be <laughs> back," and all that. <laughs> yeah, you know, which I in my head I kind of thought that would have been cool, but then I thought, nah, that'd be too pantomimey. And you know, we've seen her, but we haven't. You know, I'm sure she'll. She, we haven't seen the last of her. But, um, yeah, but I always think, you know, I'm a big fan of soap operas and, you know, as you know, I've done bits of acting and stuff in the past. So uh, and friends of mine write and stuff for soaps and stuff. And I'm always fascinated how they how they plan it out. And they plan it, you know, years. They, they have storylines and where something's going to come up. And they know about somebody coming in, you know, it's so far in the future, which is why I asked you that question at the very start. So I, d- I don't think we were cheated as, as, a, as an audience at the end, but... I just think we're cheated because we all loved it so much. You know, we're all <laughs> fans of the show. We're all listening right now. And we, I think, you know, we want to know what's going to happen to some of these characters because we've we've grown attached to them. And we're, they're like, you know, with with a good soap opera. And I won't mention one that I'm not a fan of at the moment because and I'm not connected with this particular soap opera because I don't connect with the characters anymore. So I don't watch that one anymore. But I watch the other ones, you know. So, and I feel with this, we will, and I'm sure Ali agrees, that we all connected with these characters and it came to an end and the mini bus went off and just like, mm-hmm. oh, what's going to happen now? But I mean, that is, that is good telly. That is good drama. That is good. Uh, you need you to know, leave wanting more. You know, that is. Yeah, exactly. If you'd have tied up every end that I think oh. would have gone, okay. You know, and, and that the golden rule is, and I'm not an expert in this, but the golden rule is to never tie up every end, always leave people, you know, what's going to happen there. 
that was a very distinct point as well that we made, and probably for a slightly different reason. I think because of the scenario that we were in, it was always someone's last season. It was always someone's first season. So some of those characters, they'd only just began their arc. So we didn't want to tie it all up in a bow because life still went on in that place. It was still going to go on. So those characters, the Allies and the Haley's and that, they're all still going to be going on with their lives, even though some of them have left and moved on. As it was when we were there, people were there one season, they weren't the next. We didn't want anybody to have too dramatic a, a leaving. Even, even Adam's exit, although slightly dramatic because he does the walk and he says bye to people. That was that was kind of hammed up to a certain extent so that we could tell he was leaving, but we didn't want to have a big, I'm going, guys, and I'm not going to come back. You know, he just left. And he no, just one care. no one would care. No one would care if Adam leaves, though. <laughs> no, his friend, yeah, but, no, but to some of his friends he would. And I think he wants to, you know, there's a little nod to to mark as he leaves so we know he's left on decent terms but it needed to be kind of low-key so that only the audience appreciated it it shouldn't be a big dramatic exit although it kind of is (laughs) i feel though like for me personally if i go and see a film at the cinema the ones that i enjoy the most are the ones that i walk away thinking what's happened next what's going you know like i keep talking about it because it hasn't tied everything up it's left some um questions unanswered and you know with like good tv shows and stuff i mean sometimes they finish abruptly because they've not carried on but you know fanfic is a huge thing isn't it because people want to imagine where these characters go and this has that potential that you have got the characters carrying on with their lives and you know like you said in the finale you could just carry on and on forever and you're trying to one-up yourself and you know make things more and more dramatic but the reality of it is that it's just another load of new faces coming in and another load of new faces and you know lots of the same thing happening but with different people so I I think you did the right thing Mm. and as much as it makes me sad to say it you know, it, it was the right thing. I think you could have maybe got another season out of it, but you know. I think you're you're absolutely spot on with what you've said, though, Ali. And and Steve and I deliberated over this a lot to say, well, what would season three look like? Um, and we did, we we decided early on, right at the start of season two, when we started writing it, this will be it. So let's throw everything at this. Because we could have turned season two into two seasons uh, because there's two very different stories running. But we had to figure out a way to run them in parallel, and then and then to bring them together. See, the whole season two could have been just Bernie and Bernie's exploit. The whole season three could be with Kelly and the rest of the cast, and and what and Wayne and what, what's going on there. But we decided to to bridge it in there. But when we took a step back, and we when we first wrote those Christmas episodes, and we brought Bernice in for for Sun Lolly, that was the setup for the for the end of season three uh, for the end of season two. So we'd already decided at that point that Benice is going to come in. She's going to bring these holiday reps in. She's going to reappear, and she's going to poach some of the staff. And we or we decided at the very beginning it's going to be Adam and Dan. We then had to figure out how we made that happen, and that again was part of the decision making in terms of the character arcs and what we're going to do. And we. Because we threw so much into Dan during the Christmas specials and he's going, you know, with the sex shop and the sex doll and all that kind of stuff with, you know, that people are forgetting. <laughs> like that whole experience that he went through. We we had to have them just meandering along. 
and because we couldn't throw more into it. And believe you me, Steve and I had a whole different storyline with Damo, um, Dan's childhood friend. Yeah, coming in, and there was a whole it's a whole thing. And we said we'll hold that for for a spin off. We'll we'll save all of that. But we we literally mapped out Damo coming in, and originally Damo was going to be the person responsible for breaking up Donna and Dan. But as we, we, we experienced with Bernie and stuff, we, we changed our mind part the way through and said, it's just too much. It's too much to then throw that in because we've got Kelly going on. Then we've got Adam going on. There's too many, there's too many threads to, to start winding in. So we just, we, we just put it on the back burner. So Yeah, because you don't uh, really have one protagonist, do you, that you're following throughout the entire thing, which, you know, makes, like you say, you've got so many threads all over the place. So um, that makes it difficult. It was a headache, and, and I don't mind saying that, Steve. With you, you and I would sit there like with our heads on our hands, going, "We've still got hundreds of pages to write." And believe the script itself. If you see the script, they are hundreds of pages long. They are, you know, we've got about seven or eight hundred pages of script well, from season one and two. That actually brings me to a question that I've got for you boys, because obviously this podcast has been quite labour intensive for you, hasn't it? You know, because you've had all the writing to do constantly. Have you got any plans? to carry on doing a podcast that maybe doesn't involve writing because I know people have enjoyed listening to you. I've enjoyed listening to you. You could read the phone book out between you, you know, and I'd listen to it because <laughs> it's just fun listening to you two banter. But, you know, where do you go from here? What's happening next? Ooh, shall I? Shall I go, Mike? Shall I talk? So um, we can't really talk about it. But Mike is going overseas <laughs> for a little while. Um, so it, we, it is going to be more difficult to do stuff. So we still want to do some stuff, but exclusive then. Here we go. We are going to be revisiting season one, not podcast based. We are going to re-edit it and we're going to put it out there either as uh, a book, a story. Um, what we'd really like to do is record it as, a, as an actual audio play and get people in to voice the different characters as well so we can, can and our ultimate aim is to try and sell it try and distribute it as a tv show see if people would be interested in actually making the last resort or whatever it would be called because there might be something already called that out there i think season one we've got to go back and we need to look at some of the stuff we wrote and and just and, and tidy it up but we really we we sent it out once 20 years ago got some good feedback um but never acted on that feedback. So we feel like maybe now's the time to go back, look at that, and maybe try and do something different with it. If if recording it as an audio play and distributing it on some of that Audible or, or you know, other streaming platforms are available, um, <laughs> then it might be uh, a way to showcase that and maybe see about doing something with it. Maybe we try crowdfunding. Who knows? There's that so many opportunities great. out there. You know, and 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 you know, to you guys out there who've both performed before, we're always looking for people to do the voices. So if you're keen, <laughs> then you know, <laughs> let us know too, because you know, we we want people to be involved. We don't want it to just be me and Mike. We want the story to do the telling, not not us. So that's that's kind of our aim for this for this year. Um, I think we'd like to do some more um, episodes. Be that. Um, I don't know if either of you listened to any of the movie ones we did. So we did some movie yeah. episodes where we got the characters' favourite films and stuff, and we watched them and talked about those. So we we might do something along those lines. Um, 
but we don't want to bore people with us constantly chattering away. So <laughs> I guess we leave it up to the audience to, to what we do next. In, on that so the, I wanted to ask you guys, so the people that listen to this, obviously me and Ali are big fans because of you guys and of course the, our backgrounds and the interest in holiday parks and stuff. Are the listeners, most of the listeners, in the same position as us? Have they worked in these parks or are they just people that are really interested in, in what you're doing? Or, you know, what's been your feedback there? That's a great question. <laughs> do you want me to go again, Mike? Or do you yeah, want go, go for it. <laughs> so it's, it's an interesting one because we thought they would be. We thought it would be very niche and it would be for people who, who, who've worked in the industry. But we, we've got viewers from or listeners, should I say, from all over the world. 26% of our listenership comes from the United States of America. So that's like a quarter mm. of all of our listeners are from, from overseas there. That's amazing. We've got 2% in Germany, Australia, Portugal, South Africa, Poland, New Zealand. I've got a list here of all the different countries. Bangladesh, Lebanon, Domin- Dominican Republic, Venezuela, Japan, Cayman Islands. wonder who that might be. Um, lots of different things that um lots of different places so and the feedback we get from other people i mean from from the guys that like yourselves that have worked in that environment we get that oh my god it's so nostalgic but from people who've never worked in the industry they come to us and go oh my god i missed out oh my god i've never lived oh i wish i'd lived your life i wish i'd had the experiences that you guys have have had and i think we take that for granted because we just did it we did it when we were young, but they get to experience an hour of it a week or something. And it feels like they go, what a life, you know, how exciting to do all these things. Um, and that tends to be the overriding feedback we get is it feels like you've lived a thousand lifetimes, you know, of excitement. I mean, we, do, we don't talk about the mundane stuff and the sitting alone in your, in your chalet or your caravan board because everyone else is working on your day off and things like that. But that's food, not exciting. The awful food. The awful yeah. food. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And the fish but, finger beds. But to, yeah, fish finger beds. Tiny little things. Um, but yeah, to answer, to, I hope that answers your question, Paul, because it, yeah, no, it, does. it was Brilliant. bizarre that, that we, we were just shocked that anybody listened in the first place. And yeah. We thought it was just for us. But then when three we people, got, you know, Three people listening would, would yeah. have been a success, um, yeah. considering that like, we're out. Yeah. Yeah, and and it ended up being over three thousand, which you know is is crazy when you think it's such a niche thing that we haven't really publicised. It's all been made for for free and on a, a shoestring budget. Um, it's Wait, lovely there was to a know budget? that that many people. Have... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it it was my I spent it. It was my <laughs> it was my money to spend, <laughs> um, but it wasn't. Yes, a lot. but you got my talent, darling. So oh, there we go. All so, right, Bernie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and it's been it's been crazy because, like you say, we've had messages from all over the world and people saying, you know, this is this is great. We thought it was very British humour. We thought it's not going to appeal to people outside of the UK. But, you know, we were shocked as anybody when when this listenership sort of sprung up. There we go. No, it's brilliant to hear. No, it's really good to hear. I mean, you guys told me about it and, you know, invited me on and then that, then I got into it. And, yeah, and Ali was saying this before we started recording. It's literally like you are transported back there. Um, and it's amazing. And, like, if people are listening and they they didn't live it, I hopefully with your, you know, excellent writing and, and great voices and brilliant script and just 
the whole the whole the whole well, thing. You're, you're, you're interfering with my final question here, Paul. Oh, okay. so, <laughs> and, and it's a very important question because it's, it's the it's question, big, big question. It's the big big question because it's the question we started with when we very uh, episode one. Episode one. We asked the question, and now hundreds of hours later, and thousands of hours worth of work is is has led us to the question again. And Steve. You asked it. I can't remember who asked the question originally, but I think you should ask the question. Okay. So, the last resort. Bad script? No. <laughs> no way. Great script. <laughs> so, now you can actually just put um, Paul Metcalf, Alison Riley. No, it's not a bad script. <laughs> <laughs> the answer's finally been, the question's finally been answered. <laughs> A great title, because I think if you started saying, you know, if you're saying this is the best script in the world, it's almost like people are going to be like, oh, you know, is it? But you're, you're basically saying, it, it's, you're asking that question every episode, it's aren't very you? Very brave of you, you know, isn't yeah. it, to well, put it out there and literally be, you know, it's, you're literally asking whether people think what you've done is crap or not, you know, every episode. So. We, we've appreciated that. We, I mean, as we've, we've spoke about this in length before that mike was really reluctant to do that first record to put it out there because yeah. you know you, you are you're you're literally saying come at me haters because that that's what the internet could be like um and putting stuff out there and and we appreciate not everybody's gonna like it you know that that's the way of any kind of work that anybody does you could have the you could have the, the highest rated movie of all time was it the Shawshank Redemption? There's still people out there who go, "No, I thought it was crap." That's fine because well, it bombed at the theatres as well. To be honest with yeah. you, it did. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, critically, you know, now is often obviously seen as one of the best pieces in all time, supposedly. But then, well, we'll actually, we've got, thing, let's, let's talk about this, Steve. That not, not many people know about actually that you and I experienced. So when we first, when we first agreed that concept of bad scripts because we didn't know if it was any good and we hadn't read it so it was almost like we're gonna go with this and it'll be it'll be quirky and it could be bad but it could be good but it's a question mark and let's just keep it open but we got into a little little podcast argument with a different podcaster that also was using the same name oh, and steve no, steve same, had to bring the big guns out the same name it was a very similar name but what where we'd used one word they used the word screenplays um, oh. And they said, we noticed your concept is very similar to ours and blah, 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 blah. I went, oh, that's great. It's good to know that there's, you know, plenty of people doing It's good to know there's another group out there doing a similar activity. It's great that we're all all going to coexist in this world. And, oh, well done. Um, Took the we, higher ground. Well, I think you had to because, I, I mean, for one, we'd already got the art and we had the metadata to prove that the name of the show and everything had been done way before they A year before, and, wasn't released. it? Yeah. So we already knew we what? hadn't copied them. <laughs> the world's yeah, big this enough, the isn't point. it? The world's big enough for all Thanks. this. And, you know, potentially, and, if we've enjoyed your show, we might look for things that are of a similar, mm -hmm. similar ilk and, and listen to that. So, yeah, it's very silly. And that's... And it, I'm and not just saying this. I genuinely wasn't a big podcast person, and you guys... I listen to yours, and I do listen to other podcasts now. I'm sorry, sorry to say that. I do listen to other ones, <laughs> but I hadn't before. It isn't something I really looked into. And I think you'll agree that at a time when maybe TV 
isn't great. There isn't, you know, there's some great stuff out there. Of course there is. But we're at a time where people are using, you know, streaming services more and more. And it's going to it's gonna get like that, where people are just can choose what they want to watch. And the fact that you're getting those numbers choosing to listen to your uh, podcast is absolutely, you know, brilliant. Because, I mean, how many podcasts are out there? I mean, it's just madness. And they, madness. And they choose to dip into yours and they keep coming back to listen to it because it's brilliant, guys. It it's is. really it's brilliant. It's so work. good. And I think... You know, the podcast, like you, Paul, I wasn't really into podcasts. And, you know, I have tried to listen to some other ones. And, you know, I, I, sometimes I just can't can't be doing with them. They, they annoy me, the stuff they talk about. And, you know, it's like... But um, yours, you know, I, I had it on at work. I'd be, like, having to photograph wedding dresses and, and do stuff. And then you can hear if, if I've got the sound on that your podcast is in the background because I'm able to you know <laughs> multitask I couldn't do that with a tv show on but you know it's no. yeah I've I've missed you and I've missed it and I'm really happy to see your faces and um like I say I think I will I will listen to the whole thing again from beginning to end without breaks and you know. I, I will warn you though the accents will have changed so I know for a fact that Wayne's accent is completely different. I know that, <laughs> and especially the first few episodes of season one, we actually didn't set on specific characters. So we played some of the same characters ah, sometimes. Ah, interesting. Mm. So, right. uh, yeah. Some of the narration and stuff. And, and so we did kind of mix it up a bit at first. As you do with a lot of podcasts, you see that they find their feet. Uh, we think it was about episode five before we really hit hit the ground and, and felt comfortable in our skin doing it um and then that led on and then by season two we kind of felt like we we had our we had our structure and and i think that helps any podcast is that structure you knew you'd have that that rubbish intro where we do our um you know uh, it's season two blah, blah, blah. then i'd introduce i'd introduce mike we'd have a laugh about how i introduce him we talk about what happened before what's happened in the week and then we go into the scenes and that's familiar for everybody. So there's a structure behind it. It is. That, it's that comforting. Sure I know where I am. Safe. Yeah, I know <laughs> yeah. where I am. Because because that structure, as as weird as it is, like you say, it gives you a sense of familiarity. So you feel comfortable, relaxed, and you listen. And that was intentional that we tried to create that that consistency across the episode. So it doesn't feel all over the place. Yeah. Um, and like we said at the beginning, it is genuinely from from our hearts and honor that you've that you've been our friends and and been supported but also listened and got involved and and provided feedback across the way as well and that that feedback has been so important because it helps shape us with with where we were going with the characters and I, and I can't say it enough Ali you said something to us um at the end of season 1 and I, and I have to say it again you said my criticism of season 1 was Hang on, after all car- the nice stuff that I said, it wasn't just- After all the nice... No, 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 but it was great <laughs> feedback. The, yeah, you good. said, your female characters are not real enough or fleshed out enough. And me and Steve took that away and we and we spoke about it. We said, you know, I think Ali's right, you know. I, I, I think we, we underserve our, our, our female characters. So that's... So we took that we took that feedback forward and went, we have to broaden that out and build on that more and get more into that. Mm kind of psyche and, and say, well, how do we fix that then? So it's not so male orientated. And, and that, 
that 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 for me was probably the best feedback we ever got. Oh, because thank it, you, and I'm glad it, it broadened our mindset. I'm glad that you I acted on it because you know that relationship that the two girls had. It was just so sweet, and it just you know was so natural and easy, and there was nothing sleazy about it. And you know, it was just really nice to listen to, and it was. It's like it, it wasn't a massive drama. It was just a natural progression of their friendship. And, yeah. you know, it was really nice. And and it, it's strange because, like I say, from both of you, talking to you when we did our interviews with you helped us to build out characters because we understood a little bit about how you guys lived and how you felt about it. And it helped us. So to both of you, it, it's incredible. You you really helped us to flesh out those characters. We, we didn't, like you'd said about that relationship there, we were really conscious. We'd had the sort of naughty stuff and the cheeky stuff. And what we didn't want to do is go down a stereotype of let's have a gay relationship, but it has to be full of drama and sex and things. It, and we just wanted a romantic, on each other, you know. It's always yeah, exactly. Yeah, we wanted to just show threesomes, all that kind of thing. It was just like, yeah, we wanted to show that a, a gay relationship is just a relationship, and it can be as wholesome as anything, you know, because. It, it it's often not portrayed that way. There's often huge amounts of drama on TV or in, in, in film and what have you. We wanted it to be wholesome and to be just two people that 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 felt for each felt for each other, and and it was really sweet. and And that's hard because we didn't have a huge amount of experience because we're two middle aged straight white males, so we don't have a lot of. <laughs> Oh, when the, you know, but when, I mean, the industry and 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 you know, being friends with 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 people so diverse has been a wonderful experience for us because I came from a little town where I didn't experience a lot of that. Um, it's been wonderful to have the feedback of people who are from different backgrounds and different orientations and different um, colors, creeds, and races because it it. It, we felt it enriched the story and we hoped we tried to get across as as um wholesomely and as um authentically as possible how that how people felt um so when, when we created those now, yeah no uh, i'm just going to jump in so when we create those characters we created them in a very specific way so paula knew herself very sarcastic very brummy um and spoke her mind and was very direct and we, we wanted to show that in any interaction she ever had. She was always going to be direct. She has a very direct conversation with uh, with Adam, and she's the first person to call out his behavior. Um, and then we wanted Haley to be chipper and happy and, and just so happy to be there because that was her dream. She's living her dream. And right from the from the very first episode of season two, when when, she, the, when the green guest coming in and she's with Paula and she's with the other, uh, with Ali, she's just so, so happy and they're kind of taking the mick out of her a little bit. But we always knew that these two characters would come together and we didn't, Steve and I, we didn't quite know how to write it until we wrote it and we, we just said, and, and it's, you've said the words already, Ali, we just said it has to be wholesome, it has to be natural and it has to be about Paula knowing what she wants but Haley not quite knowing who she is yet mm. but then finding that way forward and finding even greater happiness. So if it translated in that well, in that way, amazing, because that's exactly what we were trying to do. But we didn't want to sully it with anything or too much conversation or too much narrative. We just wanted to imply and and they're just having a nice chat and, and that kind of happened. And then we didn't really want to over-egg it because we didn't want to make it a massive thing. Mm. They disappeared back into the background with a few lines around 
they're there, they're happy. And who knows where their relationship's going to go? Because we don't. But they're enjoying this moment in time, this partnership together. Yeah, yeah, it was good. So thank you for taking that on board and, um, yeah, and implementing it. Very good. <laughs> cool. Well, I, I don't know, Mike. I think we've, we've probably taken up enough of our guest time for today. Um, what I'll do is just give you a couple of minutes to explain what you guys are up to at the moment um, and then just to shout out any information you might have around uh, social media or, or anything you want to call out uh, for your uh, businesses or, or for your careers so that uh, the audience who've listened to you and watched you now can follow you even further. So, um, Paul, do you want to go first? Tell us a little bit about what you're up to in the future. And um, Yeah, currently working on uh, a local talent show here in Berkshire, where, where, I've, where I'm currently living, which is lovely. And it's uh, a really chance for all the community to kind of, it's called Wokingham's Got Talent. And it's, you know, I've got a performing dog. I've got children's choir. So, it, again, it's exactly what I used to do with, you, with all you guys back at, uh, back in the old park days. Uh, so it's nice. It's like things have come full circle with that. That's lovely. And then over the summer, I've just signed a deal with um, a big sweetie company. Uh, so I'm going to be in Blue Water Shopping Centre doing a big uh, sweetie company uh, event, which I'm looking forward to. So there'll be lots of sweets uh, given out to lots of hyperactive children, again, being back where we started. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm just carrying on doing all the lovely things I'm doing. I'm very blessed. I'm very lucky at the moment. And, uh, yeah, uh, paulmetcalf.tv is my website with lots of info on there. And my social media, you know, is uh, Puzzle Paul. It's been a, uh, a link for me because I did the quiz shows and stuff on TV and I've just kind of had this bit of a nickname and I'm happy to ride with it. So anything, you look up Puzzle Paul, I'm on uh, Facebook and, you know, Instagram and all those things there. So, yeah. But I'm really chuffed to, that you guys invited me along. I've had a wonderful evening. Thank you. Thank you for coming and make sure everyone out there check out Puzzle Paul. <laughs> and so Ali, where do we where, where no where do we get free sweets from from puzzle paul i'll, I'll sort sweets. you out i'll sort you out <laughs> <laughs> it's not what you know it's who you know don't forget that yeah <laughs> um ali uh tell us a little bit about what you've got going on at the moment and and how people can follow you oh yeah so life's gone a bit crazy at the moment a year and a half ago i retired from dance teaching and choreography which i've done you know since those days um, and I have a bridal boutique a pre-love bridal boutique in Caister in Lincolnshire um, actually one of our friends from those days Kate she set up the first one 10 years ago and there's over I think there's 23 around the country now so bridery loved um, bridery loved Caister if you're looking for me TikTok Instagram Facebook um, threads you name it, I'm on it. Um, and also, I did retire from teaching dancing, but somehow I've been roped into choreographing a school production of Evita. And I'm also doing workshops, uh, music and movement with special needs learners. And I'm probably going to be starting doing wedding first dances again because uh, there's a gap in the market there. And one of my nice. brides, one of my brides, has bullied me into choreographing her wedding first dance. So even a bit like you, Paul, you know, it's come full circle, and I'm right back where I started. I think just dance and choreography calls to me, and I, whether I want to do it or not, it's <laughs> it's happening. <laughs> Fantastic, and so it's. Uh... Bridal will have cased her on TikTok, Instagram, all those things, then they, people can get everything. And it's not just, I mean, you know, obviously 
if people are looking for wedding dresses, great. But, you know, any engagement, if you watch my videos, give me a like, give me a follow, because it just, you know, it helps engagement if you do. So, and I'm always... And good. an amazing award-winning choreographer. Chore choreographing. Choreographer. <laughs> choreographing your first step or change, step or change, dance, slide, turn around. <laughs> amazing. Um, so... So if people would like to do that, do they go through the same avenue or do they contact you separately to, to get some choreography? Just through Bridery Love's fine because, you know, I, I do have social media all over the place, but it gets a bit unmanageable, doesn't it? So, uh, yeah, through Bridery Love Caster is probably the best avenue. And do we get to see tutorial videos as well? Do you know will what? You, I might do. We'll see how it goes. I'm currently workshopping names and, uh, you know, how I'm going to get found. Oh, and I'm in a band. I'm in two bands. Yeah. Two bands. I, I put on Facebook that I wanted to be in a band to get into festivals for free. And, um, <laughs> yeah, so I'm in a, a kind of punk band called uh, Kathy and the Mishaps. I'm a backing vocalist. And um, we're just currently creating a folk band. Um, we haven't got a name yet, but we're going to be doing festivals throughout the summer. And that that, that is two extremes: punk and folk. Oh, I, know. <laughs> I was going to say, well, you could have folk funk, but uh, uh, but no, I mean, here's here's one. You could be you could be called um, um, you could do covers, folk covers of take that songs, and you could be called folk that. Um, that would uh, that if would work. That hasn't happened you know. already. It should. <laughs> But yeah, life's gone a bit mad um, ever since the time that we none of us could go outside. I feel like this year is the first year where you know everything's really ramping up and there's loads of opportunities and things happening. So yeah, it's all it's all good. Very tired, but it's all good. And look, guys, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to both of you. It's always wonderful to to reminisce with you guys and 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 talk about the old days and also, you know, about what you guys are doing because I find it fascinating. So, thank you for joining us. Thank you for your honesty. Thank and you for to everybody us. out there. Thank you. And thanks for joining us, everybody listening and watching. And uh, we'll see you again, hopefully soon, on the Bad Scripts podcast. But for now, from us all, goodbye. Bye. Bad Scripts was written and performed by Mike Garlier and Steve Jones, a Beach Tide production.